you're listening to a Mash Those Buttons limited series. Visit us at mashthosebuttons.com. On this episode, we take on the remnants of the Shadow Karja, find out what Talana was up to after the Battle of the Spire, and reunite with Talana in the Burning Blooms. Welcome to episode 45 of Lightkeeper Protocol. Welcome to Lightkeeper Protocol, a podcast about our journey through Horizon Zero Dawn and Horizon Forbidden West. I am Jarrett, but you can call me Ja, and I am here with Christina, also known as Pop-Tart. Hello. And I'd like to welcome any new listeners as well as any returning listeners. Thank you guys very much for taking the time to check out Lightkeeper Protocol. And uh, we'd love to hear what you have to say about the show and about the game. So please feel free to join us on our Discord at mash.gg slash Discord, where we have channels dedicated to Horizon series you know forbidden dawn hidden west yeah so my favorite games yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so last time we just talked about no man's land and some of the activities you could do in no man's land but we did not talk about some of the side quests in no man's land so we're gonna talk about some of the early side quests in no man's land today so we're gonna cover shadow in the west and the burning blooms as well as talk about the horizon zero dawn comic at least part of it we're going to talk about the talana comic we uh are not going to talk about the errand comic for now shadow in the west uh so if you remember this one we kind of picked up this quest in the daunt after we discovered that the shadow cards are still alive and kicking and uh you know aloy got some coordinates so Ella arrives at the coordinates that she got from that small eclipse camp in the dawn, and it's a dig site, and uh, there is a portion outside and then a wall around a ruin that you need to get into. Or technically speaking, the wall is part of the ruin, because I think it was a fortress is what you find out that this place was. Mm -hmm. So the wall is part of the ruin. And, uh, yeah, so eventually you find out that this was a fortress. Yeah, actually, yeah, I have it right here. Eventually you find out this is a fortress. Uh, that was used by the old ones during the Pharaoh Plague, and eventually it got overran. And the Eclipse are there, along with some Utaru, and they are forcing them to excavate the ruins. Alright, so uh, they do have some overridden machines, some scrappers. So, either they have the technology to, uh, I guess, um, override the machines, or they just retain the knowledge. Because I always thought it was Hades was the one that was overriding the machines for them. That's the way it seemed. I didn't even think about this. And I mean, I was going to say you're making me think really hard to like really far back, but I just played that game in January yes. <laughs> and we just talked about it for like 50 hours, three episodes. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. It, it is interesting. I, I always thought that it was, it was Hades overriding the machines. That's why they had like the, the red eyes and, you know, stuff like that. I'm thinking really, really hard. Wasn't wasn't it? Because here's the deal: if they knew how to override machines on their own, right? Mm-hmm. Why didn't Silence know how to override machines? Silence only learned how to override machines because of Aloy, right? And it wasn't like every they didn't have a lot of overridden machines either. It was just like the corrupted zones, right? Because that was is that what was from Hades? 
the Shadow Carja excavated or they got the scarabs back up. The uh-huh. um, Yeah, the scarabs. So they got the corruptors out of the ground. Hades, like when they got the corruptors out of the ground, Hades would resurrect the corruptors. And then the corruptors would go around corrupting the machines or overriding the machines. That's how the machines were getting overwritten before. Right, 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 right. But they so don't have ha- a corruptor now. They don't have a corruptor now. So how are they? How are they doing it? Hmm, thanks That's for refreshing like, my memory, because like I. Because <laughs> yeah, when I said I when, when I was saying that Hades was the one that overrode the machines, I mean through through the grapevine, like you know, right. Hades brought the corruptors back, and then they and then they overrode over the machines. So how are they how are they overriding machines right now? How do they have overridden machines? I mean, we could have just did this area with no overridden machines. That would make total sense. that They no longer have the ability to override machines. And then once we get into, you know, later in the game, when we find out how regardless people are overriding the machines. It is very different than anything we've seen. Like, it's not like Aloy taking a piece of the corruptor and, turn, and putting on a staff and then overriding machines. That way, their method is completely different from that. Right. Yeah. And it's not even like in this game, Aloy's method is permanent either. That is true. Aloy's method is not permanent in this game for whatever reason <laughs> they decided to do that. You just reminded me uh, about that. You're I'm, welcome. Still, I'm still like, oh, why? Why is, is, are the overrides not permanent? Hopefully they revert that for the next game because that was stupid. I agree. They're going to add even more trees and less permanent <laughs> your mounts won't be permanent anymore either no more trees please <laughs> no, no the no trees more. in the first game was fine i think they kind of <laughs> just were overzealous in this game <laughs> oh I, I completely agree so either way they have these overridden machines somehow somehow they have overridden machines right so um after you kill the guards and the machines outside the otaru that are there run off if you, if you did you interact with the otaru while you were sneaking around at all? No, you can. Kind of. If you get near them, they'll talk to you. They'll tell you to go away because they don't want to <laughs> get caught. <laughs> okay, get out of here. Like, scram. Like, you know, you're going you're gonna to make things worse for us. No, I just but, silent struck everything. So I didn't go down there at all. You didn't go down. Oh, to where the To where they were, were working. Yeah. I mean, I, I, they were, I was just sneaking around and I ended up getting near some. So. But uh, after you kill all everything, um, the Atara run off, except one guy named Yef, and he tells Aloy he can help her get inside. He tells her that she can use the upper scaffold to sneak in, and that they haven't reinforced all of the southern wall yet. So you can't use the scaffold without him because he's the one that kicks the ladder down to you. Uh, I mean, he had he must have had the easy job because everybody else is down and like you know. The dirt and digging stuff up, and he's up on the scaffolding. Doing what? <laughs> what? Doing what, what was he doing, actually? Uh, maybe he's supposed to be patching that wall. <laughs> so maybe that's what he was supposed to be doing. But he comes down and he gives Aloy the deets. Uh, but he also t- you know, he tells her that the Eclipse have been kidnapping Utaro on the border of Plainsong. And they caught him while scavenging because, you know, he's been scavenging since the, the, the food situation there is a little touchy. Right? And he tells her there's more clips inside with weapons and machines. And he says something about their leader wanting to wield the ancient power of death. That's what the, 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 the he, he says. So I was like, okay, great. Well, I guess we'll find out what he's doing once we get in there. 
And he also wants to help Aloy, but she tells him to stay outside and help any other Ataru she frees. Right. Uh, so it, it, one thing that did, I thought was an, uh, not annoying, I thought it was awkward. Actually, this is awkward with any interaction, right? If you just sit there at the screen and don't select an option, the way everybody just looks around. <laughs> but with this one in particular, it's like they don't make eye contact like at all. They just like look around the whole time. And like she looks up in the air. He look, looks down on the ground and around. And oh, no. They just don't talk. <laughs> Wait, does it? Okay, because I never looked at like when I don't pick options because usually I'm like walking away or something. Does it does it switch the screen between the characters? So does it switch between like flip between Aloy and Yep? The, no, it just sits there and they're both just like kind of standing there looking around like weird. Oh, uh, okay. For some reason, I thought it was like a close up of just Aloy and then it just like <laughs> pans no, over no, to him no, or no. something. No, so. Uh, Aloy, she gets inside the fortress, and their leader, uh, Vezra, he's using a loudspeaker to speak propaganda. And well, I'll, I'll wait till we get inside because I, I thought it was funny, but I'll wait till we get inside. And um, no, he's saying that they'll use the fortress as a foundation to build their empire and rule over thousands. And says they're no longer burdened by the carge of masses, and they're free to conquer. So. Uh, they're trying to turn their loss at Meridian into a win here. I was like, oh, yeah, we're no longer burdened by the cards of masses because we got we lost. <laughs> you know, this is this is a plus, guys. This is a plus. It's very glass half full, right? Uh, so instead of just taking back Meridian, they want to go on conquest across the land. So it's like Red Raids 2.0. They, you know, he, they want to take, they do want to take Meridian back, but they also want to Keep on going, like keep it moving. See, <laughs> this know, is so. I have this problem with bad guys in like every game or movie or whatever. Like they never start off small to like build their empire. They have like three people and they're like, we're gonna rule the world. And it's like, okay. Yeah. Like <laughs> exactly. I was playing Pokemon and they're like, we're gonna steal all the Pokemon. I was like, can can you guys you haven't stolen any? Can you just focus on like five for now? I think that's a good starting number. Right. Yeah. So like I mean, they're excavating, they're trying to find weapons, right? You know, because that's what they were doing before. Like, those sites uh-huh. that they, those dig sites they had, they but they were excavating corruptors. Right. So that Hades could bring them back. Now, I think they're just looking for weapons because they have no way to activate the corruptors anymore. Right. But I think a lot of their weapons as well were pulled off of corruptors. Yes. So they're probably, I mean, look around the area. There was a huge bat. I don't know why they're not pulling weapons. I guess people already scavenged the corruptors outside, but there was like a huge battlefield there. Well, well, the I'm sorry, the I said I agreed with you when you said they pulled weapons off the corruptors, but they were where they pulled the weapons off were, were the Deathbringers. That's where they would pull their guns. Oh, and stuff that's like right. That that's right. Of, yeah, the Deathbringer weapons. But here's the deal, man. Like you had fully functioning corruptors and Deathbringers. You attacked Meridian with this AI with an overwhelming force mm-hmm. and you lost, you lost there. <laughs> and you think without, you know, the ability, well, they clearly do have the ability to override machines, but without these like massive machines that you have a chance to do something else, like what are you going to do? Like overtake the Utaro and then add them to your army and then make them attack Meridian with you. Like it's not like, 
And they did, that was the lower part of Meridian, not even the upper part of Meridian. <laughs> right. Know, that was just the lower part of Meridian. That's what I'm saying. Start off small. Start with like a, I don't know, like a little fruit stand or something. You know, take that over. <laughs> see how you're feeling, you know, and then come back the next day. Maybe, maybe you're, you know, able to rule Meridian then. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they should just claim no man's land and see if they can at least defend that. Right. Before moving forward. So, but no, they, they got big ambitions. So he claims, like the leader of Ezra, he claims he is the only one who can lead them because he wields the power of death. And I'm like, whatever that is, like, we, we, we have the power of death. That's also another thing that you see a lot, too, where, like, a leader or someone will die, fail and die. And then someone else is like, well, if I was the leader, that wouldn't have happened. We would have succeeded. So that's, like, the energy that they're rolling with, right? Maybe, but I mean, like, he does not even have the charisma of he of uh, what was it? He is not Helios. Is he Helios? Yes, there yes. we go. Without the O, doesn't even have the huh? <laughs> I said without the O, Helios without the yeah. O. Helios. He does not have you know the charisma of Helios. Like he doesn't have his conviction. I was, like, Helios I was, was the say chosen of the sun. <laughs> maybe I wouldn't say him. He was. Uh oh my god. Charismatic. Charismatic. Thank you. I was like, what was that? What? <laughs> that word. I don't know. When when Helis said something about like how, like, you know, said something like with extreme confidence, like I'm the chosen of the sun, like I kind of believed him. You know what I'm saying? This guy, <laughs> not so much. Well, yeah, that's not confidence. So yeah. M- maybe like, a dash of charisma, but not like. <laughs> yeah, you know, we're talking about a guy <laughs> who got out of his wedding bed. Because it was too comfortable and laid on the floor. I'm like, this guy's hardcore. You yeah. know? Never again will he see, will he feel such comforts? They weaken him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem with this guy. This guy, like, if, if this was Helis, he'd just be shouting out of a window. You know, this guy's using a loudspeaker. Right, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think there's... <sighs> I think there's only one machine inside. There's there's more uh, guards, but there are those like stealth pots around that you can use to make smoke and stealth around. But there's like a long legs there. I got everybody killed before I even attacked the long legs, but there's only one long. I'm pretty sure there's only one. I'm pretty sure too, but I really messed this up because I thought that one of the stealth pots was Blaze. <laughs> oh, you did? So you just, what'd you do? Did you like... I shot it and it alerted everyone. I like stealth killed like two people at that point. And that was you, Okay. It. So hold on a second. You shot a stealth pot and it alerted everyone? I don't remember how it happened. Like looking at the video. I could have like I shot it and I think I might have been standing up. I, I don't know the exact position I was in, but it was not a great position. It was right next to somebody because I was trying to blow them up. And it wasn't Blaze, and they saw me, which alerted everyone. So not like the action of shooting it, but the action of shooting it next to someone, then them noticing. Okay, so that's a little different because I'm like, it's a stealth pod. It's just supposed to make smoke, and that's it. Yeah. So, well, I'm sure that's that's not how the developers intended that reaction to go. So, no, not at all. I don't even know if I shot a stealth pot. pot. It was just something there that looked like Blaze. And I was like, oh, that's Blaze. Let's not scan it and just shoot it. Oh, that, you lived, so that worked out. I did, somehow. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I just, I mean, once everybody was dead, I took down the long legs. And then I uh, headed inside. 
So yeah, I mean, it's, actually, I can't remember. Can if you can even? I don't think you can stealth that part. I think the bunker unlocks once you actually kill everything. Uh, but there are Utaro prisoners inside. You let them go. There's also a, a audio log from a Captain Vasquez, and it's when the machines are overrunning the base. And she's trying to detonate the base, but the safeties won't switch off, so she can't do it. Uh, so, I mean, what, I don't think it would have made a difference anyway. Like, you know, maybe it would have killed a few machines, but. I, I, I think it, a couple of things with that. Like, yeah, it would have taken a couple of machines out with her, but also, I feel like I'd rather die being blown up and taking things out with me versus like being ripped apart by machines. Yeah. Yeah, one of the machines are ripping people apart, or they just absorb, like uh, turning them into biofuel. I wonder if that, if that system works. If that system works that way, like if you could turn a person, because they could, they could definitely turn animals into like biofuel. Well, remember in Zero Dawn, the dolphins. That is true. The dolphins they had to they had to blend them. Yeah, and then they have so turned them into biofuel. Yeah, they literally said they were like uh, smoothies, like it looked like a blood yeah. smoothie or some something like <laughs> yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty gruesome. Yeah, that is true. So, so, okay, well, yeah, so good point. That's fine. So uh, Aloy does find Vesra, and he's speaking into the comm system. So this is what I wanted to know. I was like, does because it's on repeat, right? So I'm like. Does he just have a recording that he's playing, or is he actually speaking this the whole time? And that's what's funny to me is that all of his people are outside guarding these other people who are, you know, digging at this site, and he's just inside, you know, basically like you know, just uh, uh, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Spreading the gospel of. The himself. shadow card of himself, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, basically just like, yeah, saying, like, you know, like, I'm the man. I'm going to lead us to victory. Like, you know, this <laughs> this whole thing. He's just, like, on the loudspeaker. I and mean, maybe we just came at the right time while he's doing this. And he's literally preaching to the choir. Like, the shadow cards are all already there. Right. If if you have shadow cards that are there, they are in it for life at this point because they lost at Meridian. If they were still alive, they could have gone off and did something else. They could have joined that Twilight crew or whatever if they wanted to. <laughs> yeah. Uh and and Jacob. Yeah, they they could they could have done something else, but no, they're still Shadow Karja. And they made it all the way into the Forbidden West to you. You really don't need to keep like spreading, you know, you know, keep the propaganda up at this point. It's, but it, I think yeah. it's not that he's trying to preach the good word of the Shadow Karja, but he's trying to up himself. He likes to hear himself talk, and he thinks that he's like the bee's knees, you know? So he's going to hype himself up as much as possible. And it's probably having the opposite effect. These people probably absolutely hate him. Yeah, exactly, because he's in there doing nothing. He's literally like, just saying, it's like the same, like, I know you're like, oh, maybe we just came at the same time, but it's the same, like, five sentences over and over. He's just saying the same things over and yeah. over. So I, I think he just does this from morning to night. He just likes to hear himself talk. <laughs> yeah, because the game could have just let it go through one time and that's it, you know? Right. But it does just keep going over and over and over again, so. But, uh. 
At this point, he's by himself, so he's talking to himself, and he's he's talking to the the comm. He's like, "I'll secure our future," and Nagel is like, "Well, maybe you should you should secure your base first, <laughs> you know." And I was like, "That's a good comeback. That's a nice, a nice snappy one." Mm-hmm. And uh, or you could have just act- shot him in the head and you know not alerted him and just killed him right away. That's also another thing you could have done. That is also something because you know it's not like you need to know what they're doing. You know that they're shadow carja and you know that they're trying to kill everybody. Like that's basically what you know how that goes with them and uh you know he actually seems kind of happy that she showed up and uh he says that she may have driven them from the sum from the sundom but now it's time for revenge like your best shot to kill her has passed like why do you think you're gonna kill her now when all of your machines and everything else couldn't stop her uh so i mean she was like literally in your base killing your dudes Yep. Like she was literally in your base killing your dudes before. So uh yeah, but he's like, no, now it's time for revenge. And I'm just like, dude, like uh, you're you're so much weaker now, and you think you have the upper hand. This is very this I mean, is very like, yeah, like she, she also tells him to shut up. So like she's like probably thinking the same thing. Right. So uh Vesra has a ravager just chilling there and it gets up. Uh, and he then he grabs his Deathbringer gun, uh, but this I think this is the first Ravager we see in the game. I can't recall seeing a Ravager before this. Yeah, I, I didn't see a Ravager before this because I was shocked and very unprepared. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah. Well, this Ravager is different. Like they did show the differences in a Ravager. Like it has plasma coils instead of electric coils, mm-hmm. even though it still has an electric coil on its belly. It still does. Yeah. But the coils up top are uh, are plasma, plasma, which I didn't even know what element that was. I just called it purple at yeah. the time. Yeah, same. I had a, a lot of issues with this fight. I Like I said, I was not prepared. And I had to do, like, perfect rolls to get out of his, like, ground shock waves because... Ah, uh, yeah. I, it was... I died, like, seven times. Really? Okay. Yeah. Because he didn't have he, his gun, so he's, like, in your face the whole time. That is true. That is true. I will say that's the thing about Ravagers in this game. If Like, once you take the gun off, they feel like they're more problematic. Yeah. The last game, I didn't have a problem because I would knock their gun off and then shoot him with it. But he didn't even have a gun to knock off to shoot him with. So. Well, even with them having, like, even with the ones that do have the guns and you knock them off and you go to grab it. Sometimes it takes so long to pick up the gun, which I do believe right. there are upgrades for that. You can pick up the guns faster, move faster with them. Mm-hmm. It takes so long to pick up the gun that they're already on top of you already. Again, I usually stealth shoot it off and then they'll go back to their thing after like a minute and then I pick it up while they're not on me. So I, I take my time. But yeah, this one, this one is a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, uh, I don't know, maybe I got lucky, but I was able to, so first of all, you have Vesra, right? But he is all the way where the comm system is, and he walks, like, one mile per hour. Like, he walks <laughs> extremely slow. Like, he has a hard time carrying the gun, so I almost, I didn't even realize that he was going to, like, if he, I was in his line of sight, he would attack me. Right. Like, I don't think that I saw that until I saw you play it. Because I just thought he wasn't doing anything because the only thing I was fighting was the Ravager. And um, I was able to get a electric arrow onto the coil on its stomach, which blew it up. 
takes a lot of damage. And then I did two critical strikes while I was on the ground, and that was it. And then he still, he hasn't even walked down his ramp yet to get down to me at this point. See, I couldn't hit the coil. I, I was, I think I was confused because I was like, I don't have purple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he just was so, like, he just moved so much. It was hard to hit the coil on his stomach. So I don't even think I tried. I didn't even try. There was so many environmental traps. I, did, I just didn't. I was so stressed. I wasn't even looking around environmental traps yeah there was a lot of acid barrels and i think there was one or two like pellet things that you could drop down from the sky i didn't see any of that i just i I didn't see i was so busy dodging his attacks and like you know the electric attack on the ground and when he lunges at you yeah did you have to roll into those when you were fighting it because i had to roll like towards him no, I will roll off the left or the right, like, because he does those at a distance usually. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was like rolling in the direction of him because I felt like if I went to the left or the right, I would still get hit no matter what. No, I was able to dodge it. I was huh. able to dodge it going left or right. So I had a, I had a lot of problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Vesra, once I killed him, once I killed the Ravager, two sharp shot bows to the face. Like, well, actually, sorry, was it two? Yeah, so the one shot, sharp shot bow broke the mask, and then it was two more shot, sharp, sharp shot bows. So uh, three bows total, but he was so far away from me, he wasn't even shooting at me. Like, I literally killed him before my um, oh, uh, focus timer ran down. I had put three sharp shot arrows into his head. I had an issue with him, too, because like, he was in the middle of the arena. So as soon as I kill the Ravager, he does his like super boss, you know, red aura thing and then yeah. shoots me down right away because I was also kind of in the middle and I couldn't get behind a pillar. So I was just dead. That's how I found him so fast because he did do like the boss aura thing, like the the red thing. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, there he is. And then like, yeah, that aura <laughs> thing does not stop a helmet from coming off. I'll tell you that much. Well, what <laughs> ended up happening is because I wasn't using the sh- uh, sharp shot bow which i should have been i was using the fire arrow fire fire arrows man why are things so hard to say and he ended up getting stuck i was behind one pillar he ended up getting stuck behind the other pillar and because both of our weapons like we were both right-handed his pillar was blocking and my pillar gave you know the perfect opportunity to just shoot him while he was stuck ah gotcha yeah i i didn't I okay? Oh, yeah, I, I didn't have too much of a problem with it. <laughs> I I'm telling you, the beginning of the game was so embarrassing. Like <laughs> I was so bad. I promise, uh, I get better later on. But this was this this fight was really frustrating. Yeah, yeah. So after uh, after you kill him, he's not like dead dead. Um, he talks, uh, you know. He talks about oh, what I wouldn't watch to give you die. And she says he's going to have to try a lot harder. And then he activates some type of self-destruct mechanism. I'm assuming it's the one that Captain Vasquez was trying to activate. However, it doesn't blow up that much. It only blows up the room that they were in. That's it. Yeah, I'm confused about this because I... When I first went in there and I was like, well, if he has a bomb, it's not going to blow up because how are these people in the old times not able to like 
blow it up because the safety is having an issue. How would this person be able to fix that? Also, it's like a thousand years old. Like it's it's not going right. to work. Well, yeah, she did say that that she didn't have time to manually disengage the safety. So maybe he found a way to manually disengage the safeties. I guess we don't know how long. Well, actually, we yeah, they were there, they were there within the last six months. So we don't know how long, but yeah, six months. So yeah, I, I guess like the only other question is how would you know unless you tried to blow it up in the first place that there is safety in it? That's true. So I mean, we we they they didn't even really answer how they are able to um, you know override, override machines now. Yeah. So they most certainly don't have to tell us <laughs> about. <laughs> About the how of the, yeah, the shadow cards are overriding uh, bombs. But uh, either way, the alien makes it out kind of. She barely escapes and she crawls out of the rubble. And Yef is there to help her up. And he says all the people that she freed found a safe place. And they're going to camp at this location until they regain their strength and then head back to Plainsong. So uh, Yef mentions that Vesra used to say that his former comrades would join them any day now, and he asked if they were safe, you know, from these other cards was come. So if you investigate the ruin, you find three data points. The first is a message that you heard in the daunt. So telling people to come to, you know, new new Shadow Carja land. And the second is him talking about the group in the daunt and how they'll arrive any day now. So this is the group that Yef mentioned, but they're already dead. And I guess the game, they put this into the game so that just in case you skip that one, uh, you know, if you missed it, you can go back and kill them. So, I mean, I mean, I guess you can find this one by mistake. If you just so happen to 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 roll into this dig site, I, can't, can I kind out. of walked by it by mistake. Like I saw it and I was like, oh, let me go over there because I think it kind of looked like an outpost or something maybe on the mini map. It's also not far from the burning blooms. Right. And the burning blooms, you definitely get like a, a point or two. So. so, okay. I don't know if we discussed this, but now I'm thinking about it. How did that message go out if they don't have connection between the Bluetooth, between the focuses yeah. anymore? <laughs> well, he left focuses behind in different places. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So that's how he got the message out. Uh, yeah, but the third uh, message you find, uh, you, uh, third data point you find, is his ultimate plan, uh, and it was to use bombs to destroy each of the uh, the tribe's capitals. And uh, at that point, he expected it would be easy to overrun each of their people. He was like, oh, why didn't Helis just think about this? Oh, so easy. <laughs> you know? Oh, no. We already had one person try to do that. It didn't work. Exactly. Yeah, I think they 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 don't understand, you know, how bombs work or <laughs> you know. Like how so, would you even put it in How like, would you even get the bomb into the city, right? Exactly. Like Derval did it because he has like this insane network, you know, that he can do And money. And money. money. <laughs> yeah. And it took how it took a I think a really long time for him to get the amount that he got into the city. Exactly. And it was thwarted in like three seconds. Right. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. You know, bombs again. <laughs> you know, kind of. It's like, <laughs> come on now. This, uh, they didn't hear about Duvall. 
but yeah, obviously that's not going to work. So you talk to Yef one more time. You let him know the, all the Eclipse are dead. And he tells you if you ever need a favor to find him in Plain Song. And that ends Shadow in the West. And supposedly it's the end of the Shadow Karja. Now, just for consistency's sake, I hope there's a Shadow Karja mission in Horizon Zero Dawn. And like, you know, Horizon whatever they call it. In the third Horizon game. And I just want it to be, I just want it to be so cheesy. You know, you thought you got us all, but you didn't. <laughs> you know. And then more, uh, another plot about bombs. <laughs> oh man! See, I wouldn't. No. I would think that it would be more like Shadow Carja, like the the Twilight people. But they, they wanted peace. I'm talking about Shadow Carja yeah. that are like looking for conquest. You know, man. Like, I don't know. We've like killed like all of like. We, there has to be maybe five left. I I highly doubt it. I don't know, man. Like it, it'll be hilarious if the Shadow Carja <laughs> like you turn out to be the final boss of the. Of the, of the last Horizon game, you know. Oh, my. No. You know, so. Like, somehow, Gila survived. <laughs> oh, no, no. There's no way. <laughs> I told you I was I, the chosen of the sun. <laughs> you know. He, he got. He got. Pretty stabbed. That I don't. There's no survival. <laughs> pretty stabbed. Yeah. Is there levels to stabbing? Like, yeah. He was kind of stabbed. No, he was pretty stabbed. I, <laughs> I would say it was, it was like a 10 out of 10 stab. Oh, okay. <laughs> wouldn't stab again because he's you know he's dead he's dead <laughs> uh so i guess we'll see in the next game or maybe even dlc if uh the shadow card just show back up if so. there's dlc around the shadow card i would be so mad because i would be like yes <laughs> so <laughs> this is many, gonna be fantastic <laughs> so many things we need to know and then if it's the shadow card like i don't need to know oh, anything man. else about them that is true that is true. Um, uh, but yeah, so the next quest is actually the, called the Burning Blooms. But before we get into that, there is a Horizon Zero Dawn comic that ties into the Burning Blooms. Because the Burning Blooms is a quest about Talana. And the I think the, the first few episodes, the first few episodes, the first few issues of the Horizon Zero Dawn comic are uh, about Talana, like episode, like now I say episodes again, issues like zero through four. I don't know why they didn't just name, name them one through five, but it's zero <laughs> through four. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so in this comic, uh, Talana, she became a special advisor to the council for the restoration of Meridian. And she got bored of it after like two days. And uh, some machines attacked the Meridian gates to break up the monotony a bit. And the fight made her feel a bit better, so she decided to take a contract and go on a hunt. And the contract was for one machine, but when she gets there, it turns out there were three machines, a pack of claw striders, and she realizes uh, that she's in over her head, and she tries to distract them and get away, but it doesn't work. One of them sees her and follows her, and she's able to damage it, but it also damages her. It puts like a claw right into her into her gut. And when I was looking at this in the comic, I'm like. This shows how poorly designed her armor is. Like all of her, like like her her belly is completely exposed here. Like, <laughs> is that you know? not how you fight machines? And that's not how I fight machines personally. My belly is not exposed, thought- and it's not just her. Like it's not just like her. Like she has like typical female, you know, fantasy armor on. A ton of like Karja hunters have armor like this. Okay. But, like, 
how many outfits in this game did Aloy wear that didn't have a midriff? That's true, yeah. Because, like, every outfit, it was, like, a whole, like, you know, she had her whole, like, her stomach out, like, the entire game. Fine, you know, I'm fine with it, but what is, get an arrow to the stomach, like, you're, <laughs> yeah. you're dead. Think about Helis. Like, he also didn't have anything protecting his stomach, but he was the chosen of the sun. Right. There's a difference. <laughs> you right. Know. You have to have as little clothing as possible to then absorb the sun rays. I mean, he literally could have just gone on the battlefield naked because he was the chosen of the sun. Exactly. I don't. Did he? He wasn't. He didn't even wear shirts, right? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like he had yeah. like the he had like the like football the vest top or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like yeah, he had like the padding and the, and the <laughs> chest area. <laughs> <laughs> for just in case you have to tackle someone he's yeah, ready he had, that. he had uh the the headdress on you mm-hmm. know uh but no like he did not have uh anything protecting his belly there's some vital organs in there guys like you know so uh but yeah so she actually gets hurt she wakes up in a cave and her wounds have been treated and someone left food for her uh, and whoever did this is not around. And when she comes out of the cave, she can hear someone yelling about a machine. And it's a member of the lodge named uh, Kieran. I think that's how you pronounce his name. And uh, early in the comic, she had denied him this contract because he wanted to take some non-nobles on the hunt. Uh, oh, sorry, some non-member nobles on the hunt. They were just turned out to be mercenaries. And uh, obviously he's there. So he didn't care. And he's being sloppy. So Karen's group round, uh, killed a grazer by accident and left it behind because they were actually hunting the claw strider, the same one that Talana was. And some kid comes and starts salvaging it, and Talana tries to get him away from it before another machine shows up. But it's too late. A claw strider sees him and locks in on him. And before the claw strider can get him, because Talana's still not really in fighting shape here, they're saved by a man. They call him the man in the woods. And he blinds the cross strider, cross strider with smoke and they get away. But the guy's name is actually Amadis. And he actually does not want Talana around. He says that her and the other hunters are dangerous because they draw killing machines to the villages when they litter the ground with their trophies. So, which kind of makes sense. Like, if you leave a bunch of broken machines around, that's going to, at the very least, that will attract scrappers. Yeah, I mean, they did a really good job at that in this game. I think the last game they talked about it, but it only happened in very specific situations, right? Right. Like in, in quests. But in this one, like you fight a bunch of machines and you have scrappers. That, I don't think you have glint hawks that just show up, though, right? Just, you know, no, scrappers. No, I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, but um, I'm honest, he doesn't, he has no idea who... She is because he thinks that she is there just to kind of sweep up behind the other lodge members. And, you know, when he's talking to her, he kind of talks to her like she's like, oh, he thinks she's a low ranking member. Uh, So she tells him that she's there to help the village. And he says that if she really wanted to help, that she would leave. Uh, So she presses forward and asks and, you know, she presses forward anyway. And he asks if this is for the honor of the kill. And, um... You also find that it turns out that he's the one that treated her because he knows about her wounds. Uh, and he uh, tells her that she can't kill, you know, other a bunch of other machines with that hole in her gut. And, you know, she says she tells him that she's there to make sure the village is safe. And she says she only needs to kill one machine, the machine with the black armor, because it's deadlier, deadlier than the rest. And when he asks how could she know about that, she has a flashback 
a flashback. Sorry, flashback <laughs> to about a week ago. And a week ago, she ran into Aloy. So I, before I continue, I want to say one thing. They talk about this machine in black armor like you've already seen it. So apparently the machine in the black armor is the one that damaged her. Mm-hmm. But I saw with these peepers in my eyes, I looked at that machine and it did not have black armor. <laughs> it most definitely had, it looks like a regular cost rider. I even went back to the comic and I looked at the page where it has all three cost riders there. And they're all, they all look identical. They all look like regular cost riders. So I don't know what they're talking about, like this machine with the black armor. Cause even later on in the comic, it doesn't look like a machine with black armor. Like, it just looks like it's a machine in a dimly lit area. You got to use your imagination. Obviously so, but I shouldn't have to. It's a comic <laughs> book. It's not like a regular book. <laughs> I didn't. I only read the the wiki overview, so I'll have to take your word for it because I didn't. I didn't yeah. I look at the pages and the colors, you know. The pages. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the comic. Yeah. So, uh, two weeks ago, she ran to Aloy. Aloy was tracking two machines, and Talana got there as she was killing one, which is a sawtooth. Uh, they tracked the other sawtooth as it was hunting a child, and Aloy uses her focus to tell Talana what to use against it. And she threw everything she had at it. She threw she had fire hours, she threw bombs, and, like, it wasn't killing it. But Aloy, I mean, well, actually together, I would say they eventually were able to take it down. And Aloy notes that it's a new type of machine, and the dark armor gives it away. So. It could take any form. It could be a sawtooth. It could be a glenhawk. It could be a claw strider. But if it has dark armor, it is a hunter killer. And she says, if too many machines are killed in an area, one will appear. And it'll kill any human that's around. So I think this is a missed opportunity in Horizon Forbidden West because those hunter, those like, uh, what are they called? They're not called hunter killers. Like, what are they called in the, in the uh, actual game? Alpha? Yes. Not alphas. Yes. Oh, Apex? Apex, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, the Apex machines that you find in the game, they just kind of show up like in random places. And if you go back there, I'm pretty sure they're still there. Yeah, they don't have black armor either. I think this is something completely different. Yeah, they don't have black armor either. But they're so, this, is, they're like, this is something that's supposed to represent the hunter-killer machines. Because like, yeah, the, 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 the hunter-killer, the Apex machines in Forbidden West, they just have like a purple like kind of glow right. to them. See, that would be cool if you, like, say you were Thunderjaw hunting to get a piece, and then you killed like a fifth one, and then out of nowhere, this one with like black armor just runs up on you, and you're like, oh, crap. That would be yeah, exactly. very interesting. That, yeah, it would make like, you know, how many machines have I killed? Because the game does keep track. Well, obviously, we know the game keeps track of how many machines you've killed. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if they did this in Forbidden West. I haven't gotten confirmation. But in Zero Dawn, like once you kill the machine a certain amount of times, they would reinforce the machine with like new armor and stuff like that to make it harder to kill. I don't know why they would take that system out, but then I also don't know why they didn't allow you to override machines permanently. So you never know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so it does feel like a bit of a missed opportunity because that does not happen in Forbidden West. Maybe they were going to do it when this comic came out and then they'd had to scrap it for some reason. So yeah, that was like one of my favorite thing. Such a weird game to call back to you, but lightning returns actually had a mechanic like that, where if you killed all of the one enemy i think they stop spawning but you fight like a final one like you can oh, kill yeah. all of the enemies in that game oh wow yeah 
that would have been cool. Well, I mean, I guess we, as long as the cauldrons are still active, they can just keep making more. But right. Yeah, but uh, Talana's in no shape to hunt the black armored machine on her own, so she tells Amadis that you know he's going to come with her, and eventually they track down uh, where one of the other group members died, uh, one of uh, Karen's group members. But they also took down a Clawstrider, and Amadis says that in order to deliver the bounty, they have to take it over to a place called Sunbreak Valley. So in Sunbreak Valley is a team of trappers who have been taking down herds of grazers, and that's what attracted these more dangerous machines. So at first it was just a Ravager, then it was the Clawstriders, and then I guess since they were dealing with them, then they, you know, Hephaestus sent out this Apex, you know, Clawstrider. Uh, so they find Karen's group arguing with Devad, and uh, he's the person who put out the contract. Devad doesn't want to pay because he said they only killed one and didn't solve the problem. And Karen's like, well, the contract was only for one. And that's the same thing Talana said earlier. And uh, while they were arguing, that supposedly dark armored claw strider appears. Once again, it's not dark. And it almost kills Karen, uh, Karen but Talana saves him. And it's able to hit Talana and almost kills her, but then she's saved by Amadis, who draws it into a trap, and then Talana's able to kick it into a river. But as soon as that's over, Karen and his crew, they kind of circle Talana and Amadis, and it turns out that Amadis actually has a bounty out for him, and his full name is Amadis Biet Ravish. Uh, that's, I'm pretty sure that's what, how it's pronounced. <laughs> and a group called, not a group, but a family called the Kovariv, has a bounty out on them. And they're able to get out of there by jumping into the same river she kicked Claw Strider into. And, you know, once they make it to safety, Amadis explains um, why he has a bounty. So he was the last in a line of nobles uh, for a house. And he joined the Red Raids when the call came for officers. And he didn't fully understand what was going to happen during the Red Raids. And he tried to save members from different tribes by misdirecting soldiers. So, like, you know, if, if he could save a member of another tribe, like a Utaru or a Tanakh, he would. Uh, but he also met another soldier named Nessa, who is a woman, and she isn't supposed to be in the army, but she disguised herself. And she also tried to save people from other tribes, so they had that in common. And one day he learns that his commanding officer sent a group of soldiers toward Tanakh territory which the Tanakh had just joined force, all three clans joined forces together. And, you know, he tried to get the officer to pull back the command, but he didn't. And he got into a fight with the officer, ended up killing him. And the family of that officer put a bounty on his head. And uh, then he also tried to get out to the battlefield, but it was too late. The car jar had already been slaughtered. Uh, my question is, like, how did anybody know that, they, that he killed this guy? Like, there, was, there doesn't appear to be anybody else around. That's a very good question. Because he was dead. He didn't tell anybody. Right. Maybe there were other people around. Because they didn't say every other person died, right? Just the ones that went to the battlefield. Yeah. But, I mean, how does he even. I, I mean, the comic didn't show anybody else around when he killed him. Hmm. Oh, Maybe because he's the only survivor. But that doesn't make sense because everyone else died. So he could have just. Maybe they saw where the battle happened between them and put two and two together, but like they, I have no idea. Yeah, so that's another <laughs> another Horizon Zero loophole. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, but uh, Talana tries to make him feel better by telling the story of his father, of her father, sorry, 
and how she became the Sunhawk to honor the memory and the sacrifice of her brother. And, you know, he she says that he can do the same thing with Nyssa. And while they're talking, they hear a machine that's that supposedly dark armored claw strider, but it's in like super bad shape. And Talana is like easily able to take it down. So she wonders why it was in the cave and found out that there's a cauldron in there. And so she's like, oh, it must have been coming here to get repaired. And now they're worried that it, the cauldron will create more hunter killers. So they plan on collapsing the entrance. And as they do that, they hear Karen and his people because they're still hunting them down. And as they come with a plan to deal with them, a shell snapper comes out of the water. And we haven't talked about shell snappers yet. We're about to. But like, you know, yeah, it's this big turtle looking machine. Very dangerous. And neither one of them have seen one. And they're like, well, they, they, they don't think that Karen and his group have seen it either. So they lead it back to them and leave them to deal with it. The distraction gives a modest enough time to craft a bomb because their plan is to collapse the like rocks onto the entrance of the cauldron. And after Talana figured out a way, and you know, Amadis does do that, you know, because they're, you know, everybody, it, it's chaos at this point. You know, they got a shell snapper, the claw striders are back. It's all types of chaos going on. But Amadis does, he crafts the bomb, he collapses the entrance on the cauldron. And like soon after that, Talana figures out a way to take down the shell snapper. But I, I'm not going to get into it because you can't do it in the game. It does not happen. You, it doesn't work. You can't do it in the game. I wish she she did this in the game, but she does not. Uh, so a few hours after that, Amadis and Talana, they're walking and talking, and he gives her a flower and tells her that she made him realize that he wasn't the scoundrel he thought he was and that there's more to life than hiding in the shadow of the past. And then he tells her he needs to head to the Forbidden West so he can find Nessa's body and lay it to rest. And Talana tells him that the situation made her realize the Lodge needs to do more for people and protect them from the machines that are getting deadlier. And she asks him to write her, like, you know, within two months to make sure that he's okay. And he says, fine. And they part ways, you know, and she said, uh, yeah, this, she was, she, this experience made her better. Like it was better than she expected. Right. That's basically what she says. So yeah, that's the comic. There's I didn't get into super detail about it. There's a, a bunch, not a ton more there, but there are pictures and more words. <laughs> but that's basically <laughs> the gist of that's the gist of what happens. Not very long, and it's the first half of the Horizon Zero Dawn comic. But I wanted to do get into that before we talked about the Burning Blooms because the Burning Blooms is directly related to that comic, mm-hmm. uh, which I mean I didn't read the comic until after. I had already beat the game. If you got the deluxe edition or the Regala edition, you, it, the comic comes with the game. It's an, it's part it's part of the bonus material. So. Yeah, I didn't even know it was a thing until I started this quest. And then Talana makes a comment about like seeing her again, or when we last met, we were doing X, Y, and Z. And I was like, wait, what do you mean last met? The last time I saw you was in Meridian. And then so I googled it, and I was like, oh. <laughs> There's a comic that I totally own that I didn't read. Right. Yeah. And it's not long. So I, mean, I, I would give it a read if you want to get the full story. So it does have some cool cover art. I will say that. So that's nice. And so um, the Burning Blooms actually starts kind of almost immediately after you heal up in uh, Stone Stone's Edge. Edge and are ready to head out. Stone's Echo. And Stones, oh yeah, Stones Echo. 
Yeah, sorry. I keep thinking Stonehenge, so. Yeah, so, yeah, Stone Sacco. <laughs> and um, there's an guitar woman, Mayan, who really doesn't like foreigners. What do you want? Is there some sort of problem? The problem is foreigners. You're the second one I've seen today. Sooner you all go, the better this soil will be. Less chance of bad seeds taking root. I would have thought easing your land god's pain would have earned some goodwill around here, but... Ray is going to die anyway, just like all of us. Meanwhile, outlanders come, taking what little we have left. Just like that Karja Huntress I saw earlier. All dressed up like a bird, dragging an Untaru girl behind her like a slave. Called the girl a thrush. Never heard that before. Must be some old Karja curse. Wait, a Karja Huntress with an Utaru thrush? What, am I talking to myself here? Yes! Saw them just today, running southwest, likely to their deaths. Can't harvest the stinger fruit there. Too many machines. Poor Utaro girl, whoever she is. May her seeds find fertile soil. I know you didn't mean to, but you may have just helped me find an old friend. Thanks. Don't need your thanks. Don't want it. So, I mean, I played that answer just so you could hear how disgusted this woman is with outsiders. Uh, she blames the soil situation on outsiders. She mentions that the Karja hunt, and then she also mentions that a Karja huntress dressed like a bird with an Utaro girl called a thrush. And she thought it was some type of insult. <laughs> she thought it was like an old Karja curse. Yeah, like a curse. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite part is Aloy's like, you think healing a land god would, you know, win you some favor. And she's like, yeah, well, she's going to die anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, so like she yeah, she really didn't want to to talk to Aloy. And so um, you know, she tells Aloy that they're heading southwest, likely to their death. And Aloy thanks her for the info, but she says she doesn't need it or want it. <laughs> and she said something about outsiders taking the little that they have, then immediately go you know, well she she said something about the outsiders taking the little that they have, and then I immediately go and loot any boxes I can find. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and if you try to talk to her again, she calls Aloy blight hair. <laughs> <laughs> That's the and, best one yet. Yeah, she calls her blight hair. I was like, wow. Uh, but um, yeah, Aloy heads southwest and eventually runs to, to, into uh, Talana. And the encounter is set up like it's a, it's a surprise for Aloy. And I guess they did that just in case you don't talk to me, Anne. I, I guess. Because, I mean, as soon as she says, oh, she's dressed like a bird and she called her a thrush, she's like, oh, like, you kind of know who that is already, right? Uh, so the first thing I noticed about Talana is they changed her face model, even more so than Petra. Like, with Petra, I feel like they updated the face model, mm -hmm. you know? But Talana's face is flat out different. Like, flat out different. See, I didn't even notice because the thing about Talana is when you see her as a character, it's not necessarily her face. It's like the everything that you right. see, right? So her face, I guess, is like the more most bland thing. Like you're not focusing on the details of her face. Maybe. <laughs> I, I just that's the first thing I noticed. I did because not. she in the, like in Zero Dawn, she has an Asian face. She does. Mm -hmm. And this one, she does not. And the, because I actually, I even looked up the, 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 the uh, face model. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, modeled after someone uh, named Libby Tran. And the thing is, I recognized her when I saw the picture. 
And I'm like, they used your face to model Talana? And I'm like, Yisha Talana doesn't look anything like you. <laughs> <laughs> but they used her face. She is listed as the face model for Talana and uh, another character, two characters actually, Talana and uh, Dorati, the girl from that um, Fatal Inheritance mission. I was going to say that sounds really familiar. Yeah. Yeah. So they used Levi Tran for face model for both Talana and Dorati. And Dorati just looks like a young, sad Talana. That's what <laughs> Dorati looks like. So I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Uh, but yeah, like Levi Tran, she was a model and she transitioned into TVs and movies. But the reason I knew who she was is because there was some controversy around a music video that she was in. Like, she was in this um, music video. Uh, oh, sorry. It, I don't even want to just call it a music video, right? It was, it was a satirical song called Asian Girls with a Z. And it did not go over well. This is, like, back in, like, 2013. Oh, when everyone was making those, like, super edgy... Yes. Quote unquote, like, yes. bad like, covers. We're, we're talking about like YouTube, like, version like two, like, at yeah. this point. We're, we're, we're on YouTube version two, like, when people are trying to do what they can to get like YouTube fame. Um, and I mean, it didn't go well for a few reasons, right? Like, probably all, it did not help that none of the band members were Asian or women. All right. I, that, that's not helping. The biggest problem. Is that it just wasn't funny? Like it was, it was, a, it was a satirical song, but it was not funny. It was not written well. If you make a satirical song or comedy in general, like it's at least got to be funny. Because if 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 it's not funny, then you just come off a, like an asshole, right? You know. So that's what it kind of like came off as. Like I mean, like literally at one point in the song, they were just listing off Asian foods. Like that is one part of the song. And yeah, the other parts they were just kind of listing off like Asian stereotypes, and I'm pretty sure the band is done because if you look up the band's <laughs> name, that's all that comes up. I'm pretty sure the band is done, but she like, kind of like uh, uh, kind of rebounded from that because she was like in several like bigger movies since 2015, mm-hmm. and then she's also been on like a couple of uh, TV shows more recently. If you look up her IMDb, like, as a, like, I don't know, like, not as the main character, but as like a major character in these shows. So she definitely recovered from that. Right. So I'm curious if she even knows if she's in the game. Oh, yeah, because you said that people don't even know they get their face like scanned imaged. in. Yeah. 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 Because that she- one person didn't know that they were Petra. Exactly. I one person they, they did not know they were Petra until, until the second game. They got game. called back. Yeah. Into the second game. So I wonder if she even knows that she was in the game at all because like I said she started off as a model. So she probably worked for an agency. The agency got her face scanned and stuff like that and kind of put it out there. I was sure I mean you, should, you get paid for that, right? Like if you if you if they, if they put your name in the game or maybe the people doing the scanning you get paid for that part. So I was going to say, you you probably get paid for doing a scan of your face, but then, like, you know, you probably have to sign a waiver of saying, like, we can use your face for, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. You don't own the rights to your face, essentially. Yeah, that's dangerous, man. That is (laughs) dangerous. So, but, uh, yeah, but, yeah, they changed her face model. I don't know why. Maybe she was just too busy at this point, like, 
you know, or they called her back and she's like, what's Horizon Zero Dawn? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I wonder, too, if if the new face they used was her voice actor. I don't think so. And that's another thing, like, because we had talked about before. Sometimes they have to change faces, like when you have a higher fidelity game. They have to change faces to match up with the bone structure of the voice actor better. Mm-hmm. So that's also a possibility. But either way, her face is different. Like if they didn't say if she didn't have like the rest of the outfit on, you wouldn't like she's unrecognizable. So. But uh, either way, Talana, she is fighting a long leg and she's with who, her Utaro Thrush, who looks like she just got hurt. And she was able to take one down on her own, but then, you know, more show up and she invites Aloy to come down the fight. So you get down there. There's a long leg. There's some leap lashers. And this is my first time actually getting gra- first and only time getting grabbed by a leap lasher. I didn't know that they could like that little lash thing could like they could hit. They could like tie you up in it and then pull you to them. And then they like kick you like a kangaroo. I don't what? even know if kangaroos actually kick like that, to be honest with you. I'm just talking see, based off of what I've seen. On cartoons. I didn't, I didn't know that they could. You know what's funny is because they're called leap lashers. I kept calling them leap frogs. So I kept calling them frogs. <laughs> really? Yeah. I think it's more like kangaroos. No, to be. it is. When you said that, I was like, oh, that makes sense. But they're, they're going to be frogs forever in my brain now. So. Well, I mean, you paid your 60 bucks. So you call them whatever you want. True. You don't pay my sub, my game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so after the fighting is done, you can speak with Talana, and she she starts off by calling her Aloy despite the Nora. So I loved nice. that. That was, like, my <laughs> favorite thing, if the interactions that we had with her in the last game. So the fact that they did that, like, I was like, oh, this is great. I love it already. Yeah, so that was cool. And she came out west looking for a Karja hunter named Amadis. Uh, she said that uh, he came out west a few weeks ago and is now missing. And uh, the funny thing about that, I wrote my notes before I read the comic book. So I have all this stuff about Amadis in the notes twice that I'm going to spare the crowd. But I just wanted to keep it honest with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, she gives you the, the, the Cliff Notes version of everything that I just went through. Like he met Talana while she was hurt and, you know, he healed her and helped her clear a village of machines. And, you know, after they parted ways. Uh, you know, he was supposed to write her and tell her, like, you know, just kind of give her an update, give him an up, give yeah, give her an update on how he's doing. But, you know, it never happened. But um, Aloy can tell that there's more to the story because she says it sounds like there's more to the story because Talana doesn't give her the whole, I guess, it doesn't give her all the details. Um, the game pulls a L.A. Noir, so it's trying to tell you with their facial expressions that Aloy is correct, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Uh, you know, you could definitely tell there's something that Talana isn't saying, um, which is is kind of weird. It's kind of funny because I think if you play the game first and then read the comic, they make in the game they make it seem like more happened, and we'll get to that right. eventually than 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 actually did in the comic book. Uh, but Talana does say she'll tell Aloy more at another time. So uh, she does tell Aloy that he's out there to lay somebody to rest, somebody lost in the red raids, and that perked up Aloy's ears. And you know, we'll talk about that. But uh, Talana sends Milu to Stone's Edge uh, to recover and invites Aloy to tag along with her as she goes and looking for, uh, you know, a modest. So later on, Talana and Aloy were talking about him and she brought up that, you know, he was part of the Karja force that attacked the Tanakh during the Red Raids. 
And Ayla is surprised that Talana would associate with someone who participated in the Red Raids. And Talana was like, oh, he was one of the good ones. He tried to stop the attack. Uh, that, well, I guess technically speaking, he did try to stop the attack, though, like the attack that we're, we're going to be dealing with, like the final one where everybody got slaughtered. So I guess he technically speaking, he did. I mean, what I was thinking before is like, well, if he made it all the way out there, how good could he be? But the comic book right. does provide a bit more insight on how he tried to be helpful. Right. That's see, that's something that I read about, too, because this isn't the first person that's like, oh, they were part of the Red Raids. But, you know, they're they're a good one. I'm like, they signed up for the Red Raids. They know what they got their themselves into. Like, it's really hard to believe that they didn't know what was going on. Right. And so in the comic book, there's a panel like when during his first fight, it was with, uh, against the Mutaru. Uh, he didn't participate. He just watched. The, he, he saw that the other Karja were like kind of slaughtering these Otaro, and another Karja came up, and it turned out to be Nessa uh, because he was. He actually he was trying to the Karja. I can't. I don't know if the Otaro was still alive, but definitely bleeding, and he was trying to like cover the wound. And then Nessa comes up and tells him to. I forget what she says. She tells him to get up or something like that. And he tackles her. And that's how he finds out that she's a woman because the helmet comes off and he can see that she's a woman. And uh, she puts the helmet back on and tells him that if they see him showing, like, if they see him doing that, you know, they'll mark him as weak or worse. You know, I mean, like, they'll probably throw him into uh, the pit or, you know, the sun ring or something like that. So, um, yeah, it it does provide a bit more context on that. So I, Mm -hmm. I will give them that and it showed several instances of him saving the life of another uh tribe member so like i said before he was supposed to get a message back to Lana, but never came so she went out looking for him and um you also find out that hunters can have more than one thrush now uh because so talana didn't just drop aloy as her thrush uh, she said milu came to uh meridian after the battle of the spire and milu believes that learning the hunt can help the Utaru. And so now she has two thrushes. She has Aloy as a thrush. She has Migo as a thrush. And I'm like, well, what about the rules about advancing to a hawk? Because the one hawk, one thrush thing meant that when the hawk died, that thrush took its place as a hawk. So when Talana dies, who takes her place as a hawk? That's a good question because first off, you have Aloy who's off doing her adventure, so she's not going to take it. And then you have a child. So that's true but then on top of that like let's say like let's not talk about necessarily Aloy because Aloy's not going to care about being a hawk right Right. but let's say there's somebody who's in the the lodge like that actually cares about being a hawk a thrush that cares about being a hawk and this guy you know this other hunter he has like three thrushes who becomes the hawk unless they change that rule too they could have changed the rule I think there's only seven hawks at one time they said it, that sounds right. Seven hawks and a sun hawk, or just seven hawks total? Seven hawks and the, the sun hawk. Yeah. I think. I think. That sounds like a good number. Reasonable. Reasonable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's what we got the Discord for. You can you can just tell us yeah. that we're wrong. I'm like, no, it's it's seven including the sun hawk. See, I want to say seven plus one because I like even numbers. <laughs> so we'll go with eight. But we'll I feel like eight. it's I feel like it's seven though. <laughs> But that's my fence sitting right there. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, so uh, Aloy, she does bring up the last time they met. This is what you were talking about. Uh, says that Talano was on the hunt to, to hunt, uh, contract to hunt some deadly uh, new machines. And she tells it it was Claw Striders and that she had been feeling re- restless and says that she couldn't stand being cooped up with bureau- uh, bureaucratic regulations and formalities anymore. It was only two days. It was only two days. <laughs> but I like how it was like her and Aaron. First off, because like yeah. she mentions it was her and Aaron or the comic does where it's like the they were does, yeah. they're really tired of these meetings after two days and the machines attack the gates and they're like, oh, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, 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 it is weird. It's just like I was, I was just restless. I'm like, after two days. Wow. But like, maybe if you're you not shouldn't used- be on the special council. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was. Yeah. I mean, it was a special. um position that avad brought to her so it's not even sunhawk duties it's above that right exactly like yeah. and avad came himself mm-hmm. to ask her to do it right that yeah. was that was in the comic he came himself and so she's like oh man we Can't gotta we got no. more meetings yeah, yeah. so <laughs> yeah but um she does tell aloy that being in the wilds help her realize that the hunter's lodge should be doing more that shouldn't be a glorified trophy hall that hunters need to be helping civilians more and, you know, that's the charge she wants to take. And if the hunters don't like it, then she's going to show them the door. So you find out, you, know, you have this conversation, you know, I guess, I mean, they're, they're going to assume that most people didn't read the comic. I know we didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, but this is also kind of uh, the same conversation they had in the comic to a degree. And not the last part about what she realized about the hunter's lodge, but. That part about feeling restless and not being in Meridian anymore, Aloy asks her, well, why aren't you in Meridian? And she kind of tells her the same thing. Yeah. So, uh, but they eventually make it to the battlefield and, um, well, at least close to the battlefield. Well, no, I think the, the actual battlefield they make it to. And she finds a lot of recent footsteps. She believes they're Asaram footsteps because they're heavy. And she finds tracks to follow them. They run into an Ataro named Lel, who confirms that Amadis was there and asks him about what happened. And he says that most of the Karja, uh, you know, and for the battlefield, not like immediately, like what's been happening recently. So on the battlefield, he says that most of the Karja were attacked and burned, but some were marched back to a Tanakh prison. Um, well, he says, or you can call it a Karja graveyard, and it's a place called the Rot. So uh, he said uh, that Amadas joined the Asaram caravan and is also heading west. So it's clear that Amadas thinks that the person he's looking for, Nessa, um, may not have died, that she may have been taken instead. So he's going to try to head further west to get to this prison called the Rot. And uh, Aloy, they continue, Aloy and Talana continue to head west and they run right into a shell snapper, which is the first time we see it in the game. And I think most people are completely unprepared for this fight. Yep. If I was unprepared for the last fight that we were talking about, I was definitely unprepared for this fight. And I, part of the problem is that this is a level 15 mission or quest, mm-hmm. I should say. And I definitely did it immediately when I left uh, Stone's Edge, which I think I was 13. And yeah, I was probably around that. I went right away because when she said even hinted that it was Talana uh, because she was my favorite character from the last game. I was like, oh, absolutely, I'm going right now. Yeah, I think a lot of people would have done that. Mm -hmm. And it was like, well, I already got the quest. I might as well just go. And especially since it's it's actually not that far 
from Shadow in the West, which is another quest you would have done around the same time. Like literally, it's like a fork in the road. You go left, and it's Talana. You go right, and it's 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 Shadow in the West. Not that, actually, even if you wanted to do Shadow in the West first, you take the same path and you'll run into Talana first. At that point, you might as what are you going to do? Pass her by and right. come back? Like you might as well just like you might as well just start the mission. So, think about shell snappers, man. They are well armored and armed like they can burrow and attack from underground they have guns on each side of the shell that auto aim two shots was killing me the game was still on hard at this point but the gun shoots consecutively like they shoot like bow bow like that and two shots would kill me so that wasn't cool they spit ice when they spit the ice it leaves waves of ice spikes on the ground they can shout sound waves they can belly flop they have mouth lasers that create explosions it's dangerous from all sides. The weak spots are well protected. And since it's so well armed, you really can't stay still for too long, you know, or really in its line of sight at all, because you'll hit it. And it's not like you can stagger it or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like you're sh- sitting there trying to shoot it, and it's just like, you know, lobbing stuff at you ice, bullets, whatever, you know. It, probably because I was a really bad player at this point. But I felt like this shell snapper and with an NPC to help you was more aggressive than ones that you fight on your own later on in the game. Maybe that's a possibility. I think I just kind of feel like you're better equipped to handle them. Right. Like once you get uh, tear arrows, Mm -hmm. I think it it becomes a different fight or or at least tear weapons. I think the first tear weapon I really had was a... um, was one of the one not a disc launcher? I forget what they're called now. Shredder, the, the shredder. Okay, yeah. So the, the shredder was the first tear weapon I had. Then the second tear weapon I had was a javelin. Was well, not javelin. Sorry, a uh, spike thrower. That's what they're called, spike throwers. I still don't like that name because they make it seem like it's like a mechanical thing that you're using to like shoot the spikes, but you're definitely yeah. not. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a handheld thing that you use to just kind of lob it. Yeah. For <laughs> some reason I thought it was like a box that had multiple spikes that just shot like, I don't know, like a machine gun or something like yeah. that. Except all no. at the same time. No, it does not. But I had a spike thrower that had tear. And oh my God, I love that thing. I was, uh, I wish there was like an infusion system or something like that on, on weapons. Because oh man, that was such a that would like it would it did a ton of tear and it also did a ton of stun damage when it would mm. you could put like three or four of these things into a machine and have them all drilling at the same time. It was great. So I got that that had tear, and every time I got a new tear weapon, it made it easier to fight like these machines, like the the shell snapper. But when I got the when I did get a tear arrow. Like I, I did find a bow that had the original weapon set on it, and I used it for a long time. And so it, had, it was a it was a sharp shot bow that had the original weapon set, and it had a tear arrow on it. And then yeah, it just makes it way easier because you could just be way more accurate with what you're trying to tear off, and then you can tear off a lot of the more dangerous stuff. Like like mm-hmm. I said, those guns on the side they're kind of unassuming because you, I don't think you, you can't. They don't have much of a tell. They just kind of aim and then shoot. They're not like yeah. the mouth laser. The mouth laser, you know, a beam comes out and like he kind of charges it up and all this stuff. But the guns, like he literally could be turning in the other direction and the, the guns on his side will just turn at you and shoot at you real quick. 
mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I had a big problem with this one because once he got down to like 1%, he would not stay above ground like <laughs> at all. And I was getting really mad because like he would jump up in a spot that I couldn't hit him. And as I'm trying to hit him, he throws ice at me and then just goes back underground. Right. Yeah. Like they don't, he, it does not give you a decent amount. I shouldn't say a decent amount of time, but like they really don't give you a lot of opportunities to hit it. And these things have a lot of health too. Mm-hmm. They're not like a, they're not, they're not like a regular health machine. So, you know, it's like, kind of, at least in this fight, it's kind of like you're chipping away at it, you know, to a degree. Now, I mean, I will admit like, once you get better asset weapons, almost every big machine with a lot of armor is not even a problem anymore. Yeah. To be to be realistic with you, acid is 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 a killer for these things. But uh, eventually, you do kill the shell snappers. I think I died like two or three times on this, like trying to kill it. Oh hey, I didn't look look at no. the. Well, you were playing on hard, but you know whatever. <laughs> I had a difficult time. time, but I didn't die. Ah uh, yeah. Yeah, I definitely died like twice. Like one time, like it like it launched out of the ground and it just was over me. And I'm like, yeah, I'm about to die. It <laughs> lands on me and it kills me. So, yeah. Nice. But uh, after you defeat the shell snapper, Aloy uh, can investigate the tunnel called the Spine Break. And the tunnel is actually caved in and Aloy finds a dead Osram in the rubble using her focus. She finds a note that says before the tunnel collapses, another group of Osram that made it through the tunnel and they made it in... Uh, to a watering hole on the other side. So Talana says she'll find a way on the other side of the mountain. And she tells Aloy to leave word with Milu at Stone's Echo if she finds a way across the mountains. And Aloy and Talana part ways at that point. And that completes the burning blooms. And you do get another quest, but I can't remember the name of it right now. Uh, but you can't do anything with it until you get to the other side of the mountains, which we're not going to get to the other side of the mountains probably another two episodes. <laughs> we're really honest with you. It's going uh, to be, it's gonna be at least two episodes because on the next episode, we're going to be talking. We're going to be, you know, pushing forward with the main quest, which is going to take us in the plane song and then somewhere else. And then after that, uh, yeah, we have a d- lot of dialogue ahead of us. So mm-hmm. uh, we're going to be doing, like I said, at least two episodes because this is like, like, actually if you look on like. IGN and you look at how they broke down the game uh, we're coming to the end of what they called act one and heading into act two so this is kind of like this is like we're about to hit a huge turning point in the game because uh, if you thought you know finding out about those those highly technically logically advanced you know people humans was a was a was a big thing wait until you know <laughs> we, we 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 head a bit further here in the next two episodes or so uh, so, uh, how, how are you feeling right now, Pop-Tart? Um, I think pretty much the same as the last episode. Obviously, though, very excited with Talana. I keep getting sidetracked. There's so many things to do in this game. I w- really went back and forth a lot between, I'm just going to focus story, and that's all I'm going to do. And then I'd be like, wait, look at all these quests over here. So I didn't know what I wanted to do throughout, but that's the good thing about this game is they gave you a lot of freedom to kind of do whatever, except for getting on the other side of the mountain. They did block you off there, but. (laughs) To a degree, to a degree, there is a way to the other side of the mountain without having to go through the main story. There is a way. Oh, 
Mm-hmm. There's a way. Uh, but we'll get we'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, for me, I'm just you know, like I said, the game's pacing feels a bit better right now than it did in the beginning because the don't was a slog, you know, as I've said a million times. But now it's like, okay, you did some main quests. There's two quests around your level to do. So and then once you finish those two side quests, then you start heading into, uh, you know, back onto it to the main story. So. There's a lot. And even like it's not just them keeping the main story kind of in focus because what's going to happen in the game later is the main story is going to kind of branch and then you have all these like side quests in the middle but they're still paced pretty well. Like nothing feels mm-hmm. nothing feels like the dawn after this in the game. So that's good. Uh but yeah, so we're going to go ahead and end it there. This episode has definitely been a bit longer than we normally do and I'd like to thank everybody for listening if you hear at this part and uh, if you want to keep what was going on, mash those buttons, you could do so at twitter.com slash the mash network. Uh, Christina, where can I find you? You can find me at S'mores Poptar on Twitter and Twitch. I'm also host of a podcast called Wonders Tales, where we talk about Final Fantasy 14 content. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Jostradamus. And you can find, also find me streaming on our Twitch channel sometime at twitch.tv slash mash those buttons. Like I mentioned earlier, we'd love to have you join our Discord, which is mash.gg slash discord. And, you know, I encourage you to reach out to us with your comments and questions so you can reach out to us on Discord or you can reach out to us on Twitter or you can just email us at contact.match.gg. If you enjoy the, share, uh, enjoy the show and you want to help us out, one of the best ways to do that is to share the show with others and also to uh, rate and review the show on your favorite podcast platform of choice. If you want to take your support a bit further, you can visit mtp.gg support to see all the ways you can help support Match Those Buttons, including uh, Patreon where we have tiers starting at $2 a month. Uh, we do have a Teespring store at merch.mash.gg. And uh, we do have Twitch subscriptions at our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash mash button. We also have Humble Bundle affiliate links where you can buy games from the Humble store and they'll give you codes for Steam, Epic Game Store, you play, and more. And we also do have a one-time PayPal donation link as well if you'd like to donate that way. And I encourage everyone to stay tuned after the show to hear more about Mash Those Buttons. And with that, we are done for this episode. We will see you in the next one. See ya. Thanks for listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. If you enjoyed the show, you should check out MashThoseButtons.com and see if any of our other shows might interest you. All of our shows are available on your podcast platform of choice like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. If you enjoy our content, you can help support Mash Those Buttons by becoming a patron at Patreon.com slash MashThoseButtons, where you can receive Patreon bonuses for as little as $1 a month. You can connect with Mash Those Buttons at Twitter.com slash The Mash Network, Facebook.com slash Mash Those Buttons, or join our Discord at mash.gg slash Discord. 